read from Colossians. We're going to continue today. We've been working through Colossians in our sermon series, and uh, we're reading from chapter 2, verses 6 through 19. If you have your Bible, you can turn and follow with us. Uh, We're going to have the Common English Bible translation up here, um, if you would like to just follow along there. It is written, So live in Christ Jesus the Lord in the same way you have received him. Be rooted and built up in him. Be established in faith and overflow with thanksgiving just as you were taught. See to it that nobody enslaves you with philosophy and foolish deception, which conforms to human traditions and the way the world thinks and acts rather than Christ. All the fullness of deity lives in Christ's body, and you have been filled by him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised by him. This wasn't performed by human hands. The whole body was removed through this circumcision by Christ. You were buried with him through baptism and raised with him through faith and the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead because of the things you had done wrong and because your body wasn't circumcised, God made you alive with Christ and forgave all the things you had done wrong. He destroyed the record of the debt we owed with its requirements that worked against us. He canceled it by nailing it to the cross. When he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he exposed them to public disgrace by leading them in a triumphal parade. So don't let anyone judge you about eating or drinking or about a festival, a new moon observance or Sabbaths, These religious practices are only a shadow of what was coming. The body that casts the shadow is Christ. Don't let anyone who wants to practice harsh self-denial and worship angels rob you of the prize. They go into detail about what they have seen in visions and have become unjustifiably arrogant by their selfish way of thinking. They don't stay connected to the head. The head nourishes and supports the whole body through the joints and ligaments. So the body grows with a growth that is from God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the work of Paul and his word so long ago, which spoke to the church in Colossae that we, through the Spirit, can hear Paul's message and apply it to our day and our time, that we can take this ancient idea and know that it still bears fruit today. May you speak through me in spite of me. May we hear you in spite of ourselves. Lord, help us to let our guard down and be a part of what work you would have us be a part of this day. May all that is said and heard and contemplated and carried out and acted out and embodied May it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, you alone are a rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So we're in week three of our series, Living as Disciples. We are, if you're here at church, if you follow Jesus, you claim to be a disciple. And that's a word that we don't use anywhere else. So sometimes we can wonder, what exactly is it to be a disciple versus the many other things that I am? And so this 
series is trying to kind of tackle this from various angles so that you can walk with the church of Colossae through their, uh, through their circumstances and uh, understand how it impacts our circumstances and know a little bit more about what it means to be a disciple. Week one, we started with building the right foundation. If you're going to construct anything, you want a solid foundation. That foundation is the hope that Christ has already accomplished, which is a funny sentence. We hope for something that's already done. It's an already but not yet element to this hope, and we build our lives firmly. With a firm foundation and hope, we then look to, in week two, to the great vision that God has cast before us, a vision since the beginning of it all, and a vision which came to be again, again, through Christ. The old way is passing, the new way has burst forth from the empty tomb, and we are in the middle, waiting for that hope to be fulfilled, and we want to keep our eyes not only firmly founded on the hope, but firmly fixed on the vision of God, and let that guide us. And so today we talk about, with this hope and vision from God and Jesus Christ, that we live rooted in a walk that is in Jesus Christ. So have you ever seen the movie Les Miserables? And I say movie because I've never read it. Anybody read it? Well done. If you've never seen the book, well done. That's not an easy read. Yeah, you're going to read it again. Joy is shaking her head with wide eyes. No. If, you've seen, if you haven't seen the movie, I invite you to go see the movie. That's my version of reading it. And uh, I like the Liam Neeson version. I, I haven't seen the musical version, so maybe I would change my mind. But if you haven't, if you don't know the story, it takes place in pre-French Revolution France. And what follows a character named Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean had been a convict. He had been uh, thrown in prison, hard labor camp for a number of years, and finally is released. And those who have read the book, if I mess up details, just forgive me. He has papers, his ID papers. They didn't have driver's licenses and eye scans and thumbprints. They had their papers that told everyone who you were, and you presented your papers anywhere you went. If you went to a new town, you presented your papers. They would open it up and see who you are, and his said he was an ex-convict. And he took that identity to heart. I am an ex-convict. I am not good, more or less. And in his attempt to re-enter regular life, a sleeping on a bench, and having no shelter or food, really, he is urged to go to the church. So he knocks on the church door. The priest opens the door. He asks for the priest to give him anything. And the priest says, come in. And he presents his papers. But I'm, I'm an ex-convict. And the priest says, come on in, my brother and invites him in, and they share a meal. And you can tell the priest that Jean Valjean is really hanging on to this identity that he's a convict. And he keeps trying to nurture an, an, another version of Jean Valjean's story, that you are a human being, you are a son, you are a brother. Jean Valjean cannot overcome his self-identity. He ends up stealing a bunch of silverware from the church and leaving in the middle of the night. In fact, he knocked the priest down in the process. Police capture him, bring him back, present him before the priests and say, priest, father, he says you gave him the silverware. And the priest looks at him and says, of course I did. Of course I gave it to him. And he says, in fact, Jean Valjean, you forgot the candlesticks. And he runs and he grabs the candlesticks and he hands them to them and says, you forgot these. And Jean Valjean is shocked and the police are shocked. And eventually they leave because they have nothing to hold him for. And Jean Valjean, standing there astonished, the priest approaches and says, and more or less, I've purchased your soul, and I'm giving it back to God. 
And he leaves, lets him leave. And from that moment, Jean Valjean began to live a life in Christ, which is then contrasted to other characters. But we're just going to leave it with Jean Valjean and this amazing scene of self-identity. The language of living in Christ and identifying your life as in Christ is a strange notion. We use the words, but what does it mean to be in Christ? Paul lifts up a strange idea. Strange because I've, I've never heard people talk about it like this, um, and I may have just been missing it. I do most of the talking, after all, in church, so sorry about that. Um, Paul explains to the church that the fullness of God is dwelling in a body. We call that body Jesus. We have two candles up there, one for Christ's divinity, one for Christ's humanity, and we hold them both. One does not overpower the other. The fullness of God is found in Christ's body. Now, if you're like me, you're picturing God, this great expansive thing inside of a finite body. The words Jesus Christ may sound like a name, but Jesus refers to the baby born in Nazareth who grew to be a man and crucified and raised. The Christ refers to the part of him that was anointed. The word anointed is the word in Hebrew, Mashiach or Messiah, and in Greek it's Christos or Christ. And so we have Jesus Christ holding both together. Many people have been anointed before Jesus. We have David, we have Cyrus, but they weren't anointed with the fullness of God. Jesus was the fullness of God in flesh. Amen? I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, uh, so to speak. Jesus Christ is the man embodied, and these words are important um, in the life of the Colossians because they're battling other versions of the faith which say that Jesus wasn't really a body. Anyway, Paul's nailing this home. In verses 9 and 10, he writes, All the fullness of God, of deity, lives in Christ's body, and y'all have been filled by him. All the fullness of God dwells in Christ, and Christ has filled us. With what? The fullness of God. Now, we can maybe wrap our minds around the fullness in Jesus. Can we wrap our minds around the fullness in us? And with that indwelling in us, we are not the head of every ruler or authority, as Paul goes on to say that Jesus is. We are not the rulers, though we do have the fullness of the ruler within us. Ruler and authority, let's talk about those words. Those are a little complicated. Paul's referring to a a perception that they were grappling with of multiple levels of power and beings, okay? There's God, and then there are all these other beings, some of them from the elements, some of them angels and stars, some of them lots of other gods that people have made up. And they lived in a time where somebody had come into the church and said, we need to appease these other gods if we want our life to be successful, if we want to make sure that we're in right relationship. These spiritual beings were affecting and governing these changed and baptized lives. And Paul says, wait a second. No, uh, you're the church, and you're to walk in Christ alone, not in the power and ruling and authority of anyone else. He refers to the philosophy as being the enemy here. Now, I minored in philosophy, and I can assure you, Paul's not talking about philosophy. Paul's referring to something he calls the philosophy, and this philosophy had to do with starving yourself and, and basically making suffering in your body 
and this idea that you could, you could appease the other gods, it was very strange. Very strange to us to talk about it in those terms. But let's consider our terms for this kind of way of thinking. We sometimes give power to other rulers and authorities that are not human beings. Any of you ever rely on luck? We use the term, but what are we relying on exactly? What about fate? Is your life governed by fate? Is your life governed by karma? Is your life governed by the devil? Some of these names that we give to these other entities. Now, Jesus is the head, which means he grows the whole church. And who is the church? We are. Yep. We are the very body. We came into faith under the power and structure of an old world where lots of people and things are in charge of us, right? We did as children. Some of you are still under that ruler and authority of your parents. And some of you are under the rule and authority of the culture that you've been brought up in. And some of you are under the rule and authority of the nation and the national culture. And some of you are under the rule and authority of various groups and things. And some of you just still think the devil made me do it. But let's revisit this new order to everything. In the new order, we have one ruler. And who is that? Anybody else? Who's on our level? Jesus is on our level, but Jesus has the fullness of God. We've been given the fullness of Jesus. Is there any person on, that, that exists that isn't on our level as far as who rules over who? Are we all equal? Does anybody hold power over you? Only if you give it to them. There is but one ruler. We have the very presence and power of God here within us. Now, it's active it's present. It works through this group. I've seen it. There is no power available to anybody else and no other being unless you give it to them. When you are a Christian, the devil made me do it. It's a farce. The devil can't make you do anything. Amen? Or does the devil hold power over a life changed in Christ? I hope not. This is the good news. Jesus Christ has brought you into fullness of life. Those words mean something a little different when you understand what it means to be brought into the fullness of life. You are alive in Christ Jesus with the fullness of God in the church. Not me, not you, we all, we all. I like y'all, but I don't know how to do it, we. All right, well, let's go back to Jean Valjean. He had a choice if he was gonna leave the past behind not be defined by what he did. Paul says everything was erased. The debt's paid. It's done. It's been nailed to the cross. And we say, yeah. But then let me ask you, is there a past mistake still governing you? Ruling over who you are? Ruling over what you're worth? What about a regret? Have you caused pain to anybody in the past and it's still dictating how you live and operate in the world, in your own head and heart, or in your own family, in your own circle of friends, in your own community. Have you let go of the fear you had of not being in control, placing yourself as a ruler? There's a dead life Jesus refers to, that Paul refers to, the dead life of sin and death. We're, our heart's beating, we're breathing, but we're not alive. And we've been raised now, the dead life of focusing on yourself and pursuing 
your own things and pursuing the human traditions and following the man-made laws, they hold no power. The dead life of allowing other people to define you by the shame and the guilt and the weakness of it all. You know, there are people that do that. They remind you all the time how weak and wicked you are so that you'll give allegiance to them and they can lead you. But that's not what we're called to do and be about. That's not the way we're called to operate and give our allegiance to other people. We are hearing here from Paul that everything is wiped clean. Do you believe the good news? You've been given the fullness of God within you to operate in a life in Christ as we march ever toward that vision upon our hope. Or do you give power to someone else? Jesus has set you free. The beautiful mystery of our faith is pictured on a cross. And it is a beautiful, strange, weird mystery. (laughs) Jesus exposed and defeated hanging on the cross has gone up there because he was obedient. But it's actually him on the cross exposed and weak and defeated that actually is the symbol of the world being exposed and defeated. Jesus marched through it all and responded only with love, right? So there's this, there's this strange little side that Paul gives, and we can miss it. So he says that Christ has led a triumphal parade of all the rulers and authorities and exposed them and disarmed them. What he's referring to is in Greek culture, uh, in the worship of a god Dionysus, they, they did a triumph. And a triumph would be a military ruler having conquered a people would then march into the town in a particular procession and, and it would be the crowning of power over this commander or ruler over the people they've just conquered. It's called a triumph. And so they'd put a robe on them and a crown on them and then they'd march them through and then they would offer a sacrifice for them and give them wine and then they'd pour the wine out and then they would ascend the steps with someone on their left and their right and then everyone would hail them as Lord. And the Romans took this and made it only for a Caesar. So when a Caesar was crowned, the Caesar would put on a purple robe and put on a crown, and then the guards would hail him and then march him down the street. They would do a sacrifice, and then they would leave him up the steps. He would pour the wine out. He'd stand with someone on his right and left to show his power, and they would acclaim him, Caesar is Lord. The gospel writers told the procession of Jesus an exact parallel to this triumph. Jesus was crowned and robed. Jesus was led. Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus was raised up with someone on his right and left as they acclaimed him. He was the triumphant one. And what everyone thought was a defeat. Paul is saying, Christ accepted all of this power of the world. And when Christ died, what happened? He rose back up because the power has nothing, nothing, no power. Christ is the power. And we're invited to follow into that life. This way and truth of life of Jesus is seen on the cross of love and a willingness to lay it down. Not for himself, but for us. And we're called to do it for each other. The giving of self, just as Christ gave himself. The new order in our world is that Christ is our king. God is our ruler. Christ is our sister and brother. We are the church. So let us live in Christ, in community, in this way, and know that nothing else holds power over you unless you give it to it. There's no need 
Live into the fullness of Christ completely. Live your love so boldly that any attempt to make you suffer is nothing but an extension of Christ's suffering in a way that you can proclaim you have no power. If you suffer, suffer selflessly. And if you've ever read or watched Les Miserables, then you know that there are the Javerts of the world. And Javert is the antagonist who's always trying to drag Jean Valjean into the, back into the old order of things where he's nothing but a convict. We know those people. I've been one of those people. Anybody with me? I'm the only one? All right. I'm the chief of all sinners, I guess. Stay rooted and grounded in love. Because that's staying rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. Because that's being rooted and grounded in the church where the fullness was given. Stay rooted and grounded alongside one another and let us carry each other's burdens together in love. That the world around us, the people around us that are still giving allegiance to other things, that are watching as it kills them and they don't know what else to do, that we can show them the way, the death that leads to life. Are you with me? Amen.